I want you to, by the help of the Holy Spirit, to follow me very keenly and very smartly. Hallelujah. I'm going to be rushing through a lot of things tonight and I just pray that a great teacher of all times will help you and I. I also need his help tonight. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. After creation, I'm doing a rundown and God creates everything and looked upon everything and says it is beautiful. And then when he gets to Genesis chapter 27, he starts giving a command to man. He gives man the command to work over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air and the animal on the earth. Hallelujah. Now in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, the Lord is telling man to be fruitful, to replenish, to stop. Telling man to be fruitful, to replenish the earth, to subdue and to have dominion. Hallelujah. Now I want to talk on, I want to bring us to unprecedented productivity. And I'm trying to ask what was in the mind of God when he was talking about a productivity that is unprecedented. And I think my English might be failing me tonight. But I think at the beginning of creation there is some for a particular purpose. That is why God will create own image and his ownness. It means that God is reproducing his kind upon the earth. Now when God looks upon the earth after everything that he has created there is one thing that is lacking which is his kind. So he says I'm going to produce my kind and keep on upon the earth because everything that I have made is beautiful. So he makes his kind and puts upon the earth. And then the Bible says that he'll come and fellowship with his kind in the garden, in the place of encounter. Hallelujah. Now, God keeps coming to the garden because kind goes with kind. He comes to the garden because there is a kind that he has to meet there. And then one day he comes to the garden and he realizes that the kind is no longer the kind that he kept. There is still a kind, but it's not God's kind. He makes in his image and his likeness because he needs his image and his likeness for fellowship. Now there are doves in the garden, but God does not want to fellowship with doves because the dove is not his kind. Though the dove be white, it be beautiful, it be so soft, but God is not going to fellowship with the dove. Now he has the image of the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when he comes to the garden, he's not going to fellowship with the lion. Though the lion is a representative of God. He wants to fellowship with his kind. But when he comes, he finds a kind that is not the original kind. Hallelujah. Then I go to Genesis chapter 22. I want you to follow me keenly. If you don't follow me, you might get missing. Genesis chapter 22 verse 105. God gives an instruction to Abraham and he says, take your son, your well-beloved son and go onto a mountain in a region called Moriah that I would show unto you and sacrifice him there unto me for a, on an altar. And Abraham, because he loves God and he knows that there is a kind that has to be maintained on the earth. And will not withhold anything back from God. Take his kind to the mountain. 
Now on their journey, God told Abraham to come to the mountain just with Isaac. Abraham does not go to the mountain just with Isaac. The Bible says he takes two servants along with him. And the Bible says around verse 5 that when he stood and saw the mountain off, when he got to the region of Moriah, he told his servants to stop down on the hill. Now I'm asking myself, my Bible is going to tell me in James chapter 2 that Abraham is the friend of God. And I'm asking myself, if you are God's friend and you are my boss and you are my pastor, why will you take me this journey to the place of the encounter and keep me down the mountain? Abraham takes Isaac up the mountain and Isaac asks his father a pertinent question. Father, I see the wood. I see the fire. Where is the sacrifice? That is sonship and master to servant relationship. When Abraham tells his servants to stay down the mountain, they don't have a problem. They stay down the mountain. A friend of God going to the place of encounter and tells me to stay down the mountain. With all due respect, I love Brother Abraham, but I don't want him to be my pastor. Because I want somebody who will take me to the place of encounter with God. You can't be God's friend and when we take, you take me through the journey, I don't want to just be a vessel of need. I want to think they were the ones riding the donkey. I want to think they were the ones carrying his water when he was thirsty. But because of a relationship son to father, Abraham decides to give the wood to Isaac. And the same, I don't want to be a protocol that will just see you off. And then when we get close to the place of encounter, you tell me to stop down the mountain. Unfortunately, we live in a generation where young men and young women don't want to pay the price to know God. We want our Abrahams to go up the mountain, have their encounters, and come and tell us the stories. But I believe in this place, we are raising a generation of young men and young women who are going to tell Pastor Abraham, with all due respect, sir, that is the place of encounter, and I am going all the way with you. Now, if your pastor does not show you, or your leader does not tell you how to get to the place of encounter with God, he does not love you, and does not have good plans for your destiny with God. Now, Isaac carries the wood. And I ask God, why the wood? And he says, I give gifts to sons. And it doesn't only end that I give gifts to sons. When I give gifts to sons, it is for sacrifice upon my altar. Now, I'm talking to a people, and I, I'm glad I'm in my house, and I'm talking under a lot of control, under the National Bureau. We are a family and we celebrate giftings and talents. We, we want to see our gifts and our talents go on. Let me leave Abraham and Isaac. Then I go to the Exodus. Now God sends Moses. Moses has this great encounter with God upon the mountain. And the Lord tells him, Moses, come. Now he reveals himself to Moses in a burning bush. We sing the bush that burned and never consumes. Now he reveals himself to Moses and tells him, Moses asking the question, when I go to Pharaoh, what do I tell him? Now Moses did not get a message for the children of Israel. When he got to Pharaoh, he asked, when Pharaoh asked him, he said, I, the I am that I am has sent me. Now the word I am that I am is the self-sufficient, the self-existent, the ever-present, the covenant-keeping God, the one who starts is with you through the journey and is with you at the end. The children of Israel hear the message from Moses. Exodus chapter 3. 
And then God tells Moses to tell the children of Israel, Exodus chapter 12, 13. Tell the children of Israel to go down to Egypt and ask, ask all the Egyptians of their silver and gold. The gifts. Take note. When they get down to Egypt, they ask for silver and gold. The Bible says that they robbed Egypt of its precious jewels. The Egyptians gave them all their silver and all their gold. And the Bible says it was by the favor of God through the mouth of Moses. Are you with me? It's a gift that they need for the journey. Because God knew along the line they were going to need some silver, some gold. Now when they collect the gifts on their way. Turn your Bibles now with me. I want somebody to read with me. Exodus chapter 32. Before we get to Exodus chapter 10, just open your Bible. I want you to read verse 1 to 4 and then verse 24 for me. On their, on, on their way, um, they have the pillar of cloud with them. First, they have encountered the favor of God. Because they go to Egypt. How is it possible you just go to a man and say, I need gold. They cleaned Egypt out of gold. I need your silver. They give the silver. The favor of God was so much on the children of Israel that the Egyptians could not resist but give them the gold and the silver. Are we together? We are talking about gifts and talents. We are talking about receiving along the journey. Hallelujah. Now, read, your, read with me if you're there. Exodus chapter 32. I want a fast reader. Verse 1 to 4 and then verse 24. 32. Verse 24. Verse 24. And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let them bring it up so that they may see me and I cast it into the fire. And this child came out. Verse 4 says that Moses carved. Sorry, Aaron carved the calf. Verse 24 says, he threw it into the fire and a golden calf emerged. Do you see that in your Bible? Now, what is happening here? The writer is trying to look for a way to tell us that Aaron, who is Aaron, by the way? Who is Aaron? Come on, who is Aaron? 
What is his office? Aaron is a priest. And the people put a lot of pressure on the man of God. And he takes of their silver and gold. Verse 24, the Bible says that he cast it into the fire and a golden calf emerged. The Holy Spirit told me, when you know the God of provision, when you know the provision of God without knowing the God of provision is risk along your journey. Now, in Exodus chapter 3, they have known the favor of God. But they never met the God of Moses. Proof is that they will tell Moses, go to the mountain. And Moses goes to the mountain and they stay behind. And they tell Aaron, as of this man Moses, we do not know what becomes of him. I thought that when Moses will come down from the mountain with the glory of God shining upon his face, the people want to go towards Moses and ask him, please say, what happened to you? Can you teach us? They say, no, when he's coming, they let him close his face with a veil. And the Holy Spirit began teaching me, Eunice, it's not enough just to have gifts. And I am the one who gives gifts to men. But the gift of God, when not nicely harnessed in the heart, when it goes to the fire, an idol comes out. I love singing. I don't have a beautiful voice. I love beautiful voices. And he began telling me, it's not about the voices, not of the ecstasy of the voices, but it's about the voice behind the voice. Now, when men hear you talk, who do they hear? And he told me this morning, he said that you cannot cross, pollinate the word of God with just good speeches or with good public speaking. Those things don't go together. He says the gospel remains the gospel and the gifts do not matter to me so much if the gifts have not been harnessed in the fire of God and if they don't come out and give worship to him. Now, when you know the God of favor along the journey of life and your heart is not circumcised, you when you know the favor of God along the journey of life and your heart is not circumcised, when situations show up, the God in your heart shows up. When you know the God, now before now they have been traveling under the pillar of cloud. And he says you can know the pillar of cloud, the pillar of the cloud of God without knowing the God who is in the pillar. When you come before fire, the thing that is in your heart will emerge. It's possible to walk under the cloud of his glory without knowing the God of the cloud of glory. When you come before a situation, the gift in your heart will make manifest. We will celebrate gifts and talents. But with all due respect, brothers and sisters, can we walk out our gifts and talents so the voice of God will be heard through that? He gave the wood and he told Isaac, this wood is for my altar. When God gives us gifts, it's, they are for his altar. If I can sing, it is for his altar. If I can do anything with my hands, it is for his altar. Now, if that is not put in place right in my heart, when situations will come in place, the God that is within my heart will be made manifest. Hallelujah. I know I'm not preaching one of those very, but I know I like it. I'm sure I heard God. But can we check our hearts tonight and begin to ask him when I prophesy, what is the state of my heart? When I talk to the people of God, what is the state of my heart? When I sing and jump and dance and clap and play the instruments and give words of knowledge and give words of wisdom and I work in the health ministry, what is the state of my heart? 
Because he's not too excited about the things we do. He's excited about the motivations behind the things we do. But we live in a generation where we like fancy suits. Everybody wants to identify with the big man of God pulling crowd. Moses was a man who had known God to a dimension. The Bible says he spoke with God face to face. But the people who walked behind him never knew his God. So it's possible we are killing ourselves. Fasting and praying. Preparing for Assam. Preparing for summit. Preparing for these people to come and be blessed. But you know what? The people don't always look for the God that we have shown them. We are in church and we are in Assam and we have a... um, We come here and everybody is excited and everybody seems very loyal and everybody seems very, very... um, in the house, but our hearts are with some star out there. And he began telling me, Moses, on going to the mountain, didn't go with many. But Aaron succeeded with so many behind to build a golden calf. And I stand here tonight. I heard this in the afternoon. And he began telling me that uh, we are in a generation where I'm going to raise the Moseses who are going to take the calf and set in the fire and grind it and give the children to drink. Because in this generation, God is raising young girls and young boys who will stamp you in the prophetic, stamp you in the apostolic, stamp you in the pastoral, stamp you in the evangelistic, stamp you in the teaching grace. We need the Moseses who are not afraid of the crowd of people. Now what happened to Aaron is that before then, they had killed a young man who decided to oppose what they were planning to do. Before Aaron is doing this, so the man of God is put under pressure. He's not building this golden calf by his choice. The man of God is under pressure. Now I pray for somebody here tonight. May you never be in the team of Aaron. He told me the camp of rebels is very large. It's easy to get men to get into the camp of rebels. It's difficult to get men and women who want to pay the price of a life of holiness and righteousness and follow Moses to the mountain 40 days and 40 nights and just wait for an invisible hand to come upon a tablet and begin to write some things that men have not heard. But in this generation, God is raising men and women in this place tonight who are going to go for the heart of God. It doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter how much time it takes. Tonight, even as I continue, I just release the grace to wait upon God. Wait upon God. Wait upon God. Wait upon God. We do not want to go without you. They told him we do not want to go without you. If you do not go with us, we do not go. But they did not say we do not want to go without knowing you. They were satisfied with a pillar of cloud. Satisfied with a pillar of fire. Satisfied with the silver and the gold. Satisfied with the dresses that never went worn out in the desert. They were satisfied with the manna. They were satisfied with the water that came from the rock. But they did not seek to know the God of the water that comes out from the rock. And he says, you can't go like that in this generation. If you continue that way, you're going to be swept off your feet. I'd rather not waste my time in church. And then at the end of the day, I am not of the church. Where are those young men and women who want to sit stand and say, whatever you ask of me, Lord, it doesn't matter how much it takes, I'll go with you. 
Where are those young girls and boys who are ready to leave their comfort and say, Jesus, it doesn't matter how much it takes. It doesn't matter how much it takes for you to anoint me. Because they waited on the man of God and they felt the man of God had lost the anointing. They felt that the thing was no longer this Moses of a guy. Imagine the way they address the man of God. As of this Moses of a guy, we do not know what has become of him. They have something that tells them what becomes of men of God. So they can sit and decide what has become of Moses. And then they can decide to take a new decision and take a new road and begin to tell and make us gods so that they will continue with us in this journey. Who took you first place? Who started the journey with you? What happened along the journey? What became of your heart? When the first disciples followed Jesus with John the Baptist, when John the Baptist stands in Luke and tells them, behold the Lamb of God, Jesus turns towards them and says, you, what do you want? Jesus, how can I follow you and you're asking me what I want? Because Jesus knows that we can want so many things in church and we don't just come because we love him. But God is not interested in... Uh, he's not interested in our gathering and in our clapping of hands. Uh, he's not. He's not. He's not. He's not. I mean... Oh, Holy Spirit, and he says, I'm looking for men and women who can bear me on their shoulders. He tells, you know, I love the church in Corinth a lot. It's one of the churches where Paul writes one of his longest letters in the Bible. The Corinthian church was so gifted, I go back to my gifts. They had every gift you could ever imagine in the Bible. You would see it with the Corinthian church. And then... Paul goes and tells the church in Corinth that I really do not want you to be ignorant of the spiritual gifts because they really were not ignorant. He wanted to tell them that I don't just lose sight of them. I know the church needs them. I know some people need to come to church and hear some words of encouragement. I know some people need to come to church and, and hear some good things. Some people need to come to church and be lifted up. I know somebody needs to come and hear the way forward. Paul tells them I do not want you to be ignorant of that. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. He says concerning spiritual gifts, I do not wanted to be ignorant. And then when he gets to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31, after he has outlined all the spiritual gifts we know, he tells them, but now I show you a more excellent way. There is a more excellent way in God. And then he goes to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 1 and he becomes showing them some things. He said, you could prophesy and if you don't have love, you are just for the clanging symbol. And he tells them that uh, you could have knowledge and you could have a lot of things but if you don't have love what you are is nothingness and then he tells them that you could be giving but if you don't have love it is unprofitable unto you and then I like First Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1 he says pursue love can I come down I'm not used to stay here. Don't mind me. He says, uh, pursue love. First Corinthians 14 verse 1. He tells the church. I thought we were preaching together. Pursue love and do what? Desire spiritual gifts. But we live in a generation where we don't pursue love. We desire love and we pursue spiritual gifts. Everybody wants to prophesy. Everybody wants to stand on the pulpit. Everybody wants to show something extra. There is a problem that is happening nowadays and is this thing called Facebook and social media. Everybody is a pastor on social
social media. When we look at you, your life does not rhyme. He told me this morning, Eunice, I love the rhyme scheme, but there is a kind of rhyme scheme that I love. When your life and your preaching rhymes with the word, that is a kind of rhyme scheme I love. God is looking for people whose message and whose life will rhyme with his word. He says, pursue love. The word to pursue there is to seek. I want to use English and think of a hunter who has seen an animal and wants to get at it. He will run at it. He will keep focus. He doesn't matter what comes. One thing is sure. I have something in front of me and I will go for that thing. That thing is called love. And then he tells me in First John chapter 4 and verse 8, I'm coming to the end of my message. He says, for God is love. Now, I'm going to be changing some philosophies in our minds today. Permit me, and I love you so much. For God is love. What is God saying? When I look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1, he says, pursue love and just have a desire. When you desire something, you can do without. But when you're pursuing something, if you don't have that thing, it's like life is incomplete. He tells them, pursue love. And when he gets to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, he says, for God is love. In other words, God is telling somebody tonight, pursue me. No man who has met God, who has found God, is ready to let go of God. He says, pursue me. Job chapter 29. Is that my verse? Job chapter 29, I think verse 4. Now, Job in his second lamentation. He's thinking of something that he misses as a young man. Is somebody there? I want somebody to read for me. Oh God. The man of God has come to the end of his fire. Now remember, did Job have fire incidents in his life? Did Job have fire incidents in his life? Come on, answer me like somebody who has read the book of Job. Did he have fire incidents in his life? Now look at the children of Israel with their fire and their gold and silver. What comes out? Now look at Abraham and Isaac upon the mountain with their fire. What comes out? God provides for a ram because of the state of heart. Now look at Job with his fire and look at his lamentation. What comes out? 29.4. Is, we, are gone, we are gone beyond verse 4. I won't just verse 4. As I was in the days of my youth. Thank you. In the days of Job's youth, there was something that was with him. After his fire incident, there is something that Job is crying for. It is the secret of God that rested upon his tabernacle. Now the word secret of God there is talking about God's friendship and companionship with God. He says, when I was a youth, there was something I used to carry. It was the presence of God. Okay. Uh, Holy Spirit, help me now. Now, uh, uh, There are two people who carry the presence of God. 
Some of us carry the presence of God when we come into a place like this. I have to minister in Assam and then I just have to take some two, three days and just fast and see God. Uh, Father, when I get to that place, let mountains shake. Now I come with an atmospheric presence that becomes sublimine and volatile when I leave Assam. But Job is a man who carried the presence of God such that in the moments of his trials, the only thing he feared was the presence of God that resided with him. God is looking for young girls and young, young boys who carry the climatic presence of God. It doesn't sublime. It doesn't sublime. It doesn't sublime. It doesn't dissipate with atmospheric changes. It doesn't dissipate with situations. We don't seek him when we need gold. We don't seek him when we need silver. But we seek him because we are pursuers of love. And he spoke through Solomon in Songs of Songs and says, I have left my chamber and I have gone in search of the one I love. And then the Holy Spirit asked me, Eunice, if I can leave my chamber, this is the chamber of God, and I go to the streets looking for the one I love, then these people in my chamber, where, what are they doing? Where are God lovers tonight? I came here to provoke somebody to love God. I'm done. Rise up on your feet. I came here to provoke somebody to love God. I came here to tell somebody that there is a more excellent way. And the more excellent way is pursuing God. Now you can have the gift of prophecy and don't have the God of the prophecy. You can have the gift of healing and not have the gift of the God of the healing. You can have the musical, the beautiful voices, but you don't have that God. And tonight God is telling us, Levites, pursue God. When we spend time working on our voices, we spend time on the techniques, we spend time on the instruments and the accords and everything that you know how to do and the rhythms and the rhymes and all. He says that one is good, but there is a more excellent way. Now, where are those men and women who carry the presence of God and situations who bow? The children of Israel left Egypt with the pillar of fire, with the pillar of cloud, but the Bible says a multitude left with them. What about the presence of God that can make me not be mixed with the multitude? What is this new Christianity that we are comfortable everywhere? We can sit with them and do just the way they do. We are just Christians when we come to church. And out of church, my life is not just different from out there. The Lord is looking for a people in this generation who would carry his presence and makes a difference. And that is what happens in the Acts or in the, in the Acts of the Apostles. The Bible says when they came from the upper room, the multitude were afraid of them and why? They carry the presence. Right now, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to visit somebody with a hungry heart tonight. Come, Holy Spirit, and just, just visit somebody's heart tonight. And sweet Holy Spirit, I just, ah, call out If you can speak in tongues tonight, go ahead and just raise your voice and talk to him because I feel he's here right now tonight.